Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? I hope you're well. Thank you very much indeed, as always, for being here. The season is over. It is done. It is dusted. It is an X season. And even though it's only a few days gone, it feels like we have done a lot a lot of season review kind of conversation, which, of course, we did in our event uh, Union Chapel on Saturday night before the game against Wolves. That is now available as a podcast if you haven't already had a chance to listen uh, with myself and James, the Arsenal Vision guys, and Ian Wright. Amazing night. You've got it there as a podcast. You can also watch it as a video over on the Arsblog YouTube channel. I think if you go to the, the little tab that says Live, you can look at it there. And... Um, we had the Arscast Extra, of course, on Monday, talking about the game, talking about the season, all those kinds of things. And I was sort of contemplating just taking this week off. It feels like it's been a lot of work. It feels like there's been a lot of, of talking uh, by me. And well, of course, other people, but, you know, primarily by by me. And I just wondered if maybe this would have been a, a good week just to sort of down tools and recharge the batteries a little bit. But uh, that's obviously not the case because you're listening to this. And uh, that's not to say that I might not do it at some point over the course of the summer. Just, you know, take a weekend off. I'm sure that would be OK with everybody. But for now... We'll keep going and, uh, you know, just play it by ear, cross those particular bridges as and when we come to them. Um, before we get into today's show, which is the uh, statements type format, which I know many of you enjoy, I just want to give a shout out to Phil Brown, who is the, uh, the guy who took amazing photos at Union Chapel for us on Saturday night. He, uh, he really just captured the mood, I think. I looked at these photos and you can find some of them on our Instagram and all the rest of it. You you can just see how much fun everybody is having. And I want to say thank you to Phil for his time, for coming along and doing that. And just to give him a little bit of a shout out, if you are looking for a wedding photographer, if you're looking for somebody uh, for a portrait photo, Phil is your guy. Uh, you'll find his website. You'll find some of his work at philphotos.co.uk. That's philphotos.co.uk. And the man you're looking for is Phil Brown, not, I just want to stress, the former manager of Hull City. He's a completely different and much better, Phil Brown. So there you go. Right. Today's show, as I said, is the statements type format. That is where I put statements to my guest that they have to either strongly agree, agree, disagree, or strongly disagree with. No sitting on the fence. And we'll see where the uh, the little talking points get us to. With me to do that, it's Clive Palmer. Hello, Clive. Long time no see. <laughs> hello, hello. I see you all the time now. I mean, this is just ridiculous. <laughs> so, yeah. So I know how you are, because I literally saw you a few days ago. That's so, it. Um... That's it. Since then, not much has changed, other than my voice has, um, you know, recovered very slightly from all the uh, shouting and everything else that goes on at a, at a football match, and maybe three days in London, out and about, drinking beers. It can have an effect, you know, as you it get can. a little bit older. But we're here, we're here, and we are, you know, I guess close enough to match fit to get a podcast out for you today. So what I'm going to do is, you know, ease you into this with a very, very simple one. All right. Okay. 
Well, the first things first, listen, let's just start from the top. Andy said, do you fancy coming on the podcast? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've been practicing and thinking about my systems and how I'm going to talk about how we play football. He says, no, we're doing statements, which is code <laughs> for, can we get Clive off the fence, for God's sake? That's yeah, well, that's really it. <laughs> that's it. I will admit, you know, that I, I having uh, had a conversation up in the bar on uh, Saturday night in Union Chapel, and somebody was talking to myself and Elliot, and Elliot was going, I'm never on the Arscast. I, I offered this first to Elliot, but um, he went to work today. He went to the office ah. for some reason. So his chances yeah. has passed him by, but we'll get him again. Uh, and yes, this, of course, is designed to keep people uh, off the fence. Nobody likes a fence sitter. Uh, and I'm not saying you're that, Clive, but we are going to have to. Uh, yeah, well, OK, that's fine. Sometimes the fence is all right. You know, it's not the worst place to be. But this is the easy one that I was going to guide you into this with. Uh, from Zach Taylor, who says... If William Saliba does not agree to a new deal by August, we should sell him this summer. Mm, I don't like these questions. <laughs> but you, you know, I mean, do you either do you either agree with it or do you disagree with it? How much do you disagree? If you disagree, do you strongly disagree or just disagree, or do you agree with this? I I weakly agree because. We have to look after ourselves uh, financially with a player of that quality. Having one year of the contract to go didn't seem to be stopping other players going for last sum. So I'd expect a last sum for William Saliba. But from reading stuff that I truly believe in on Twitter, I'm thinking that basically this is about financial negotiations. So I'm hoping he won't come to this. Mm. Um so, yeah, we have to look after ourselves. We've seen too many people walk out the door on free transfers with money in their pockets. <laughs> so we have to stop that trend, don't we? Sure. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I agree. Just. Okay. I sort of, I disagree with this because mm -hmm. I do think, I completely get what you're saying. And if there's a big offer on the table in August, maybe that changes the, the landscape of this. But like you, I think mm -hmm. a lot of what's going on at the moment is financial. This is how many players secure the right kind of deal for them via their uh, representatives, their agents, all that kind of stuff that, you know, the, the world and their mother know that William Saliba is in a very, very, very strong position at Arsenal yep. right now. A very strong position. Which isn't to say that a, a, a departure is imminent or inevitable. This, as you say, could be part and parcel of the of the process. And we have seen players leave on freeze, but we have also seen players sign deals when maybe it looked like they were going to go. If you remember, yeah. Theo Walcott was one who became the club's highest paid player when he signed a deal. It had gone beyond January, hadn't it? So he could have... Um, he could have uh, made negotiations with clubs in, in Europe and, you know, back-channel negotiations with teams in England who might have wanted to take him, even though uh, it's a little bit naughty, but that's yeah. the way transfers go. So, depending on how much Arsenal are, are convinced this is about wringing as much out of this contract as possible, I would disagree. I wouldn't say it's necessary. It is possible that it could go beyond August and we could still get that deal done. Yeah, I think we will. I think we will get that deal done. And I, I don't think we can be more attractive to him now than we've ever been. Mm. This is the best time to convince a player like this. And, you know, looking around the team, it's not just what happened towards the end of, this, of the season, but he really suits us. And I think we all understand now what instability can do to your team, how it can affect the whole team, how it can affect people in midfield, further up the pitch. We understand how a team is built particularly when you see it not built as strongly as it was previously. Sure. You quickly work out who the strong people are in, in holding that tent up. So um, mm. sometimes by being absent, you become even more valuable. So if you if Arsenal were to do a long contract for him, it would make a lot of sense, Andrew, wouldn't it? A mm. lot of sense. You know, five plus one job, mate. That's what he needs, a good number, and we have a, re a renegotiation point through that period makes sense yeah i mean i do i do think there is some uh, fairly serious interest from psg and that then becomes another part of the mm. negotiating tool but you know i know that there has been a little bit of history and not everything has gone as well as it might have 
in the past, but I've never looked at him and thought, this guy, this guy isn't connected. He always looks like he's connected to the team, to the fans. Um, you know, th- this is, I think, a really good team to be part of. So I do hope that that plays a part in, um, yeah. in, in you know, his decision. Uh, and I hope he's advised beyond properly beyond you know what what potentially he might earn because he's got a long career ahead yes. of him. You know, important to be valued though. We all we all of need course. to be valued, didn't we? And I think um, just because he's a twenty two year old kid, he he plays like a twenty six year old man, <laughs> and his importance to us is that of a twenty six year old peak defender. So um, let's pay him because it costs a lot more to get somebody else in and then pay them. This is, this is honestly, we got a good bargain for him, you know, and so we can, let's not throw away some good fortune on mm. development and, and quality. Let's make sure we retain that person. Okay, Aaron LB says, we scored a record amount of Premier League goals. I'm not sure if we did, but we scored a lot of Premier League goals, 88 goals this season, which is, you know, a, a long way from maybe the first couple of seasons under Mikel Arteta where we were wondering yeah. what kind of football were we going to play and where were all these goals going to come from. And I remember one of his um, press conferences where he's talking about scoring 100 goals. I'm going, where the fuck are we going to get 100 goals? And we're not we're not far off that. Anyway, Aaron's statement is, uh, we have scored these goals. We don't need a target man signing. Um, I'm, you're going you're to be surprised at my answer. <laughs> I say, I'm. I sway on this. I'm going to say if he says we don't need a target man striker, I will say I agree. However, mm-hmm. <laughs> what I'm going to say is I do think we need one quality forward minimum, and the forwards we have today are wing forwards that can play. You know, two of them can play down the middle. And it can play out wide. They rotate, they move, and we t- and we and we score by committee. Mm. And so, even though I think I even said on the stage, I want to see a a bigger forward coming. I'm now said it recently. I sometimes think I wonder if he's going to go this way. I think he likes cohesion. I think he likes mm. movement. I think he likes people to can play in different zones. But the front three in our minds, they can do it. But the three behind, to say for example, Trossard, Nelson, and Inketia. Can they all do it to the same level of quality? And I would say, not quite yet. Mm. You know, so and they do it differently. So we need something more akin to the first choice front three to allow us to rest and create configurations of a front three that give us confidence to go into another game with maybe two of our, our favourites are not playing. Mm-hmm. So there is whether it's a taller forward, whether it's a taller winger, somebody with speed penetration and to really stretch teams out is what we want. The shape and size of them can be uh, negotiable, shall we say. Mm-hmm. But um, if, you, if I was to give you a name of the, of the type I would like, it'd be like Kolo Muani. That type of leggy, hard-running forward. You know, similar to a Danny Welbeck style forward. Mm. You know, a wing forward. I'm just doing pure profiles here. That type of forward I, I would really like in, in the group. I mean, there seems when people talk about this, it's like, well, it's Vlavic or that kind of striker or, or nobody else. And there's obviously very mm. much an, an in-between. And, you know, I think when you think about it now, imagine imagine how um, imagine how useful uh, prime Olivier Giroud would have been uh, to this squad, right? Yeah. Technically very good, good in the air. He's going to bag you 20 goals a season. He gives you something different, gives you the, you know, the outlet and, and everything else. Um, I do wonder if sometimes we sort of go looking for the things we had in the past because those are the things that we know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Rather than, well, what, what what's out there that might come in and do the job in a, in a slightly different way. Like, I just don't see us playing with a six foot four, like, unless you get the, the complete package, like Holland, who's six foot five, he's fast. He holds it up. He can run in behind. He can do, basically do everything because it's yeah. a football cheat code. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. You know? Um, so I, you know, I, I, I tend to agree with you on that, that the, the, the profile of player might not quite be what people are expecting. If we bring in that kind of, signing yeah i think so i think but then I, the reason why i argue myself all the time on this one is because there are players in in our squad that are not really firing yet 
And so I'll just give you one, say Fabio Vieira, for example. He's an excellent crosser of the ball, though. Excellent crosser of the ball. Trossard's an excellent crosser of the ball. So we then we then could find two players in a different way, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I just think sometimes you have to look at your squad and say, how can I maximise these players that maybe can't sprint like Martinelli and Saka through teams, but they can manipulate the ball and create crossing opportunities? then who are they crossing to? Because Jesus is manipulating the ball outside the box. And so there is a, a really good case for that forward to maximise the squad. And also, Andrew, when you think about what we've got this season with the Champions League, we have to find another way to win football matches. And some by simplifying the game, with, you know, with somebody like that, just so we can get the odd one 2 nil without draining the emotion from us. Because mm-hmm. we are looking at a serious run-in next year if we are where we want to be. And I just feel we need to find a more efficient, calmer, quieter way to keep people where they want to be. And so there's a massive argument for it, but I'm just not sure I see Arteta doing it. So um, that's why I gave you my answer. But well, that could change if you podcast me tomorrow. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe we'll just do one every day all summer. Who knows? <laughs> uh, we did have, a, while we're on forwards, we had a lot of questions about uh, Balagoon, Flo Balagoon, and uh, Wenger Boy says Balagoon deserves a chance because his loan spell was better than Saliba's. There's another one here from Paul Piracci. Balagoon is a better striker than Enkedia. Mm. Another one of my on my walk thinking about Arsenal conversations I have with myself. I think Balagoon has the X factor. I think he he rates himself has got a level of confidence that maybe comes with certain types of you know, football animals. Mm-hmm. I think he's got it. I think he wants to travel with it. I think he wants to take people on. I think he's confident in his technique. And that confidence has come out in a way to say, well, I'm not prepared to sit in, you know, on the bench anymore. I, I want to go and be a, a number nine for somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, so people could say to me, who's got the highest ceiling out of Eddie and, um, and Balogun? I think it's a 50-50 discussion. My eye goes towards Balogun. It, it does just because I think technically I think he's smoother. I think he's a better carrier. I think he takes early shots better. His technique is better off both feet. But Eddie has a level of intensity and work rate, and he seems to work, have a, a really good relationship in the group and a lot of respect within the group. So there's a there's a dressing room to manage here as well, you know. And there's a team ethic, and he seems to understand his role and accepts his role. Balogun is, you know, if you look at purely football, purely football, and how I watch a player move and how they how they manipulate the football, I think he's got better technique. Does it mean he's a better player? Not sure to be discovered, right? Because mm. we haven't seen him do it in the Premier League yet, have we? So this is why potentially we're going to maximise the selling opportunity where he's at his highest point. I also think there's probably a discussion to be had about Eddie and whether there's a selling opportunity to be had this summer as well, because mm-hmm. I feel like we talked about this on the Arscast Extra, but we had a question about it, that he hasn't scored off the bench. He doesn't really score off the bench. And when you are yeah. basically a backup striker, that's not ideal, right? I'm not saying that all your goals should come every time you get off the bench or you got to score every time you come off the bench. But if you don't have any track record of that, I wonder when the manager and Edu and those are sitting down this season and thinking about, or this summer rather, thinking about, well, how do we how do we win games in a different way? How do we win some games perhaps that we don't look like winning? I think that's a, a step that this team has to take when we're firing, when we're uh, on top, when we're in control I think we could, we look like we're going to win games. Yeah. For me, the next thing is like, how do we win games where, like Nottingham Forest, for example. Yeah. How do we win that game? How do we win the Brighton game when we're not playing well and we go a goal down? How do we, you know, that's what you've got to do to become champions in yeah. the in the context in which we're operating, right? Because you, the, the margin for error, as everybody says, is, is basically zero. So... Part of that, I think, is tactical. Part of that is the kind of quality and depth that you have on the bench. And if you have a player who you like, and clearly they like Eddie, but if you have a player who doesn't give you anything from the bench, that might then become part of the discussion about how you improve your squad and and how you move it. Like I, I think if you put Eddie 
as the starting striker for a team like West Ham or even, uh, you know, some some other kind of mid-table team. He would score a, a decent amount of goals over the yep. course of a season. No, no two ways about it. But that would be starting. Um, yep. He's not going to start that many games at Arsenal with Jesus and mm. maybe with another kind of forward coming in. So I think that might be part of the discussion. And Balogun is, is, is a really interesting one. I think he looks a good player, extremely highly rated all the way through the youth team, like basically completed youth football. You know, yeah. he was doing things at youth level that you're going, oh my God, you know, you, th- th- because it's easy. It was easy for yeah. him, you know. I uh, think this is a market opportunity one, mate. Yeah. I think if we a tweet arrived from the right person right now saying there's a a £35 million bid for Eddie and Ketia from, say, Crystal Palace, I wonder what the conversation would be. Take it. Yeah. What would the conversation so. be? You know, and sometimes mm. we have to keep our minds open to opportunities. And that might change the Balogun discussion. Mm. That and I do think, you know I do think there is a discussion to have around physicality in the front line and as you say, I, I, I go back and forth on it. There has to be another way for us to find the level of winning ability in April and May. Mm. We've got two year sample size now to tell us we fall away the last after the last international break, we fall away. So we have to find efficiency within this group. I think we, we're gonna end up buying things for the back end of the team to solidify the midfield and maybe one or two defenders. We're going to develop in the front end of the team. But I wonder if market opportunity will drive a change in how we look at the front end of the team. Mm. That was my today walk, Andrew. I right. think about this, you know, because our players now are in the shop window and we have a strong first 11. If you don't get into it, it's no shame. We can do a job for me. Yeah, yeah. Whereas before, if you're eighth, you're not getting to that team. Well, can yeah, you give yeah. us that player, please? Yeah. Do you see what I mean? It's a different conversation, isn't it? So, it is, um, yeah. To be de- to be determined, really. Um, mm. My mind is open, but you make a lot of sense there, mate. A lot of sense. I think there's um, there's going to be one or two surprises over the course of this summer, um, mm. which you know, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to because uh, I like I like a good surprise. Once it's a good surprise, not the bad kind. You mentioned him earlier. Freddie says Fabio Vieira needs a loan. Mm. I've had this one in my head as well, and. When Arteta spoke about, I've got to get more out of a, cu- a couple of well, players in his own squad, mm-hmm. I was looking at Smithrow and Vieira, really. Mm-hmm. And both of them have similar issues for me. Definition of role. What what are they? I mean, you could sit down and have a good discussion for an hour or so and maybe not agree because they're quite adaptable. But I think for, as a player who's maybe lacking in confidence, one may be lacking confidence in his body, one may be lacking in confidence full stop, they need to feel valued. How do you feel valued? You feel valued when you know your role. And I can't define their role. You know, a year ago, Smith Rowe was a wide left competitor to Martinelli. I'm not sure he is anymore. Mm. Um, we saw him once play false time. I thought he did fine, but some people didn't agree with it. Um, totally understandable. He's played in the eight on occasion, but not with any sort of you know massive Im- influence. And Trossard's come in, and every time he steps on the pitch, he gives an assist and makes the game look easy. Mm. And if you're a major, what are you going to do? You know, and this is a challenge for the player. I think sometimes a lot of this comes across like, oh, Arteta's got to, do, got to do this, got to do that. My view is the challenge is with the player to make yourself so hard you can't impossible to ignore mm. the challenges with the player and these players have to realize the environment that they're in work really really hard pre-season come back in and make sure you can't be ignored by what you do on the pitch if you haven't got an opportunity within the hierarchy then get yourself out get yourself out and playing there's no point in having both smith Rowe and vieira not playing enough minutes one has got to be out playing so we get to see more of them and i'm maybe got a feeling it might be vieira because I think he needs, I think he needs to play. You know, I think he needs to find out if England's for him, because at the moment within the ground, people lacking have a lack of physical confidence in him. Mm. They feel that maybe he's a little bit too, too weak. And a lot of his better games came away from home. 
And so we haven't had that view where he's had a really good home game. And so I like the player. I like his talent. I like what he could be. But maybe alone wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for him. I mean, I could... I think most people listening to this could probably make a good case that a loan for a player who found it physically demanding in England Mm. could be beneficial for him. But then you're wondering, does it make him more ready for football in England if he goes to Spain or Portugal or France or somewhere like that? That would be the, the slight concern that I would have in that regard. It is a, it is a, a tough one. Maybe he just doesn't suit the league. Have you thought about that? Andrew? Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that I did think about was the fact that, A, he arrived without preseason. Yeah. He arrived without a preseason. He was injured in a boot, and it took him a while. I don't think it necessarily explains or excuses the second half of the season as much. Yeah. And maybe the best things we saw from him were in the first part of the season when he came in and, and slotted into the team against Brentford when Odegaard was missing and, and played great. played really well. So we can see that there's something there. But also what, what would give me a little bit of pause for thought, uh, and you know I'm not convinced by him yet, I can see that there's talent, but I'm not convinced, is the fact that I think there are many examples of a player of his age coming to a new league and needing a season, needing a season just to settle in properly and to understand properly what you need to do when you're on the pitch and when you, when you're expected to, uh, to perform. So I could see the benefits of a loan, but I don't think he will go because we we need depth next season. And and that's, you know, the conversation we um, keep having, you know, I think as you spoke about the Brentford game, he he played instead of Odegaard in that game, didn't he? I think Mm. I remember rightly. And what I've learned from watching him play against Southampton is that I think he suits the right-hand side of our pitch better. So either you take minutes of Saka or you take minutes of Odegaard and you invert onto your left foot, he just looks better coming in. And so, again, back to the big centre-forward discussion, Man City played Bernardo Silva wide right. He's not a sprinter, but he can definitely combine and get that ball into the middle of the box. And no one worries about him as a wide player because he's a massive threat due to the quality of passing and crossing and carrying. Mm-hmm. Fabio Vieira, he can he can control the ball, he can travel off the outside, he can travel inside and invert. But he'd be a much bigger threat if he had a different centre forward in, on the pitch. You know, so you have sprinty wide men or controlling wide men, mm. and Man City play two controllers. We've got Trossard and Vieira. Potentially, that could be the could be a way to go, but the centre forward would have to be different. Yeah. And that's how you stretch out the squad a little bit. That's how you maximise it. So, yeah. We will we will wait and see. Uh, Bakes says, Matt Turner is an adequate backup if Ramsdale had a long-term injury, for example, half a season. Oh, that's a, that's a wiki. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say agree, but I'm just just going to talk because I'm not sure I truly agree with that one, really. (laughs) But I'm going to say I I, I agree. But I do think in a year's time, Turner may need to go and play football Mm. to be a starter. I think he's with with the amount of games that are coming this season, there's more games for him. And so I do think it's worth him staying. He probably needs two years at Arsenal then to go again and go and make make his way as a number one elsewhere. When he had his best run, it was when he had a little mini run mm. and he started to look better and better and better. And when then he had a break and he came back cold, I think we lost a little bit of confidence in some of his uh, on-the-ball play, particularly with his feet. He's a very good shot stopper. He looks agile in guard. Don't worry about it when the ball's travelling towards him. It's just when we have a lot of the ball in our final third that there's a little bit of a worry there and teams are putting him under pressure. And so he has to develop an aura there by being smarter on the ball. So, um, so yeah, I I think he can do a job. But I do think next summer we could be looking at a change there to give him a chance as a 29-year-old to go and play football every yeah. single week. I think that makes a lot of sense. With a with a World Cup going up in the US as well, yeah. you know, the next one. Play. I have to say I think I would disagree with this one. It would really, really worry me if we had to play half a season with Matt Turner. And maybe I'm doing him a disservice. Maybe he would step up. Maybe he would, you know, rise to the challenge and all that. And he seems like a really lovely guy and all the rest of it. 
but that would absolutely put the shits up me uh, if if that was the case. Because, you know, I, I would liken it, for example, to the difference that we experienced when Saliba had to be replaced by Rob Holding. I think yeah. it's that kind of a ballpark. So from that perspective, I would have to... Uh, I would have to disagree with that one, but uh, let's, let's hope we don't have to answer it. Let's um, hope we don't have to answer it. I, what, I mean, next season, Matt Turner, you know, he got the Europa League games. He's not going to get yeah. the Champions League games. Depends on our group. He may not. He may not. He may get a couple of them. Well, you know, I mean, he may get a couple of them. Let me ask you this. Uh, let me ask you this. If you're Aaron Ramsdale and you're the number one goalkeeper at the club and you've signed a new contract at the club yeah. and you want to push Jordan Pickford for the England number one spot. You want to keep Nick Pope at arm's length and all the rest of it. If you want to play for England in the Euros, if you want to play for England in the next World Cup, you, you don't want to be sitting on the bench for Champions League games, right? No, no, no. So I think uh, I'm, talk- if you, I'm talking like garbage time ones. You see what I mean? If we, well, if we have any of those. Yeah, yeah, if we have any of those. If we have any I, of I those. I do think people are over-egging the quality of some of the Champions League groups. Now we're in pot two. I can say that with a bit more confidence. Sure, <laughs> no, know? I agree, so, um, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it's as strong as it as it has been historically. But I do think we need to go through the experience of remembering what a European game is like. Mm. And um, and what we've done towards the end of the season with our with our back four, I find really interesting. I think that's the way to go away in Europe. Mm. Maybe go a slightly different direction and make sure you don't encourage people down your sides. So I do think, let's see how it all plays out, right? When the European group is named, we can all say, you know what, it's a good opportunity to rotate in this game and that game, depending on results, etc. We will all know. But definitely FA Cup and, and League Cup games, he should get those for, for, for yep. sure. Right? No, absolutely. absolutely. I, I don't don't disagree with that. But, you know, the big teams play their best players in the Champions League games and, you know, maybe mm-hmm. they fiddle around a bit outfield. But, you know, Allison plays for Liverpool. Addison plays for Man City. Yeah. Um, I don't know who else in the Champions League. I, we can't talk about Chelsea's goalkeepers because they're both a fucking disaster. Yeah. And there was Tottenham were there last year. Yeah, L- Loris doesn't matter who they play in goal. Exactly, fucking <laughs> shite. Uh, Christopher Darby says this is the most important transfer window of the Emirates era. I strongly agree. I strongly agree. I think this is the big one. I really feel this strongly. I think. We've worked so hard to get in this position mm. and we're now positioned as a top, just to say top three team in the league. You know, we're top two easy, but we're top three because Liverpool will come again and they've had a history of the last half decade that they're in the top two. So let's say a top three team. Mm-hmm. And that means we're sitting there with the other two London teams, you know, shoot themselves in the foot. We're sitting there with a, with a really strong position, with a strong reputation with a young team, with a young management, with a good demographic of players, a good style of play. We cannot be more attractive than we are right now in the Champions League, seen as the next big thing coming just due to our age profile. This is the moment to to not be conservative. This is the moment to really push and restate who you are. Don't leave any debate. Don't make people think, oh, it's a one-season wonder. They did well because they had a good start, had a World Cup break, they got a rest. They didn't have any injuries. Well, we all know different, <laughs> of course. Right? They didn't have any injuries, and the other teams weren't great, so they, next year it's going to be tougher. Nah, we. this is the time to say, nah, we're not going away. Yes, we're going to buy certain players who we can all name. And let's buy three or four players from the league with real quality, international-type players, and really restate who we are. You mean Challenge by our first group. three, four players from the Premier League? Yeah, from the Premier League, and really restate who we are. You know, and really go for. It. I'll give you. I'll give, obviously, we all know about Rice and Kaiseido. I, I would do both. You know, I would do both. I like a, a centre back from the league who's at Crystal Palace. I like him. Who can play left and right? And Mark Gay, get him. He's in the England squad. Go get him. You know, don't don't wait around. This stuff is really important. You know, they're, they're young players with it all to go and prove. I'm not sure about the forward end because I swear on that every single day. But 
that solidifies us, that repositions us, that allows us to rotate the back end of the pitch and really dominates the centre of the park, really dominates it. Mm. And then it's about what we do in the forward end to supplement the, the young players that we have. I think this is the moment to really reestablish ourselves and make people realise that we're serious. And if we wait a year, we our position in the table becomes more vulnerable because Manchester United will sort out their ownership they'll sort it out and we know who they are. Newcastle will have more solidified revenues, which, mean, which means they can spend more money. So we know who they are going to be. City are going nowhere. Liverpool's midfield that was too young this year to really come in and replace the old midfield last year will be another year older and they'll have more time to buy players and regenerate. This is the time to establish yourself. This is the time to take people. They will take in a year's time. Just don't wait. That's, that's my message. Don't wait. That's so interesting because you're looking at this window as one that will, I can't say guarantee the future for the next three or four years, but are you looking at it in that kind of a strategic way as well? Yeah. It's like get these players before other clubs get them. Yeah, future-proofing yourself. You're literally future-proofing mm. yourself. You're saying, okay, I don't care what you've got. If we've got a midfield of Odegaard, Rice and Caicedo, for example, mm. I bring what you got, bring it. I'm happy with what I've got. Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's where we need to get to. The back line is redeveloping. We just need to underpin them to make sure we don't look so vulnerable on, if you have injury, particularly on build-up. We look vulnerable on build-up. And the top end of the pitch, we've really established a fantastic front three. We need another two over the next one to two years. We need another two that really challenge that front three. You know, so yeah. whether we can develop one and whether we have to buy one, that's my debate I'm having myself. But this is the time to future-proof yourself because it's no point, Andrew, in being at Champions League for one year. If we have five years of it, that's like 80 million on average each year. That's, that's good revenue. So speculate, speculate to make sure you can get that money. It's going to be so interesting. It really is to see. We, we had a question. You mentioned the midfield and RD says, Arsenal will not sign Rice and Caicedo this summer. Hmm. Well, I, I would like it. So I'm going to say I disagree. <laughs> but I can also see a discussion where people will say, well, they're too similar. Um, they're too defensive. But I think they can both do a more of an attacking job, either or. Mm. They can both play as a six. They can both play as an eight. But what they offer off the ball, I think it's exactly what we're missing. You know, mm. exactly what we're missing. Or I want to see more of, a more youthful version of you know, so um, that's my issue. Yeah, I mean, you were very interesting on, on Rice being a player who is underdeveloped uh, yeah. when you were talking about this on, on Saturday night because of the teams he's been playing in, because of the roles he's been playing, because of the, the, the managers that he's been playing under, that this is a guy who is capable of, of going up a level or two. Yeah, I, I, I feel strongly about this for me. I think... I've been watching him for a while now. I, I, I wasn't always impressed by him. I'll be straight with you. I, mm. I thought he was overrated. I thought, well, how come his England team was like, alongside Harry Kane as like the first name on the team sheet? I'm, I, I can't see it. You know, I can't <laughs> see it. Um, I went to watch a live game at Upton Park, oh, sorry, Upton Park, but West Ham Stadium in the game last season when we, when we um, beat them and, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Because I couldn't believe it. I genuinely couldn't believe this guy mm. just storming across the pitch. And it just stuck with me. And I started to watch it more closely. And then I started to look at the things that we are not are lacking on occasion. And I think our ability to read the play off the ball is not great. You look at all, you look at him and that's what he is. He reads the game. He controls momentum mm. and he adds accelerations to your team. That's exactly what the game is, is now. It's becoming quite formulaic and what you can do in broken play is so valuable and he creates broken play scenarios and we have sprinty forwards that react very quickly to to transitions mm. they that's what they do they don't even think about it that's what that's what they are if we can create more transitions then we're going to be even more dangerous you know so that's how i think that's why i think he's so good for us whether it's a six or an eight i don't really care you know depends on the day or double six doesn't worry me 
but the ability to read the game off the ball is what we're lacking, and I think he'd be a major plus. Mm, let's see. Let's see. Uh, both would be lovely, it has to be said. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of... If you're talking about future-proofing, if you're talking about making the most of the opportunity in the position that you're in, Martin Odegaard at 24, Declan Rice at 24, and Caicedo at, what is he, 22? Yeah. 21, 22. There's your That's midfield amazing. for four, five, six years, maybe. Andrew, you know? there's a video out there of Caicedo playing against Man City. If you ever catch it, just look what he did to them. It's mm. all, obviously, it was it was... It was rough, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no less than they deserve. <laughs> he's everywhere. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. He's a strong boy, that's all I'll say. All right, bring him in. Bring him in. Um, where was the next one I was going to ask? Uh, Sam Watt says, Arsenal will receive significant money from outgoing transfers this summer. I think there's probably, there's probably two that we could probably name. Um I'm going to say I agree because based on previous years, it will be significant. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> more than nothing is that it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we've been putting, we've been putting, <laughs> putting red ribbon around our players <laughs> and, giving them, and giving them away. So, um, so I think um, it will be significant. Yeah, get one, then, get one free. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think we're going to see one of those hailing forwards disappear. You know, for definite in Balogun looks like that's the one, two to one favourite. Mm-hmm. I think Kieran Tierney is going to probably move on for, mm-hmm. for his career. You know, 25-year-old Scottish international needs to play football. Doesn't feel connected. Unlike the Sleeper conversation that you had earlier, I don't see the same connection mm-hmm. with Kieran Tierney, which is a shame. Maybe that can change if the club wanted to, but that's what I see with my own eyes. The other ones are really fringe players. What's going to happen to Nuno? You know, won't be big money there, but there could be some money there. Sambi Lekonga is an interesting one. What's going to happen there? Will Arsenal still bet on him and with a loan mm. in the league? Or will they decide to take some money? There's enough market opportunity again. Um, Cedric could be a, a red ribbon player. For sure. <laughs> be one of those. For sure. Um, yeah. I love the, uh, I love the uh, I'm going to stay and fight for my place. Yeah, yeah sure you stay are, Stay and buddy. fight for my place, which is code for give me my money, please. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> See what happens with Rob Holding as well. You know, again, for his own career, he's 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 a fine player in a certain system. The way Arsenal play football with how we leave people exposed in big spaces and expect them to be like a number 10 on the ball, mm. that's not who Rob Holding is. There are many teams that play Rob Holding football. I agree, you know? yeah. So yeah. he just needs to make sure that he's valued somewhere else, right? So, um so there won't be much money there, but there will be some. So there's enough to be going with to maybe pay for the second centre-mid that people think we may not need. But that's the sort of money we're going to have to pay for that guy, you know? So, um, so yeah. What would you, I mean, if you're selling Kieran Tierney, who's got still some years left on his contract, and you're selling him to a Premier League rival, and you're selling him to a Premier League rival who are owned, uh, it's basically the richest football club in the world. Mm. More than Manchester City, more than PSG. Leave aside what you know they want you to think about who owns that. The uh, yeah. the, the Saudi investment fund or the public investment fund is you know makes Newcastle um, by far the richest football club in the world. So on that basis, what what are you looking for in terms of a transfer fee for for a guy that you paid twenty five million for? How much profit are you looking to to make? I think we paid 25 million for him cash straight down. And also I think there's a little sell on fee there for Celtic as well. Mm. So if I'm Arsenal, I'm looking, I say, I'm not good at these numbers because people say, Clive, what are you talking about? It should be more or should be less. But I, I'm looking at 40. Really? I would be looking for a little bit more than that. I mean, if Kukurea is going for 60. Yeah. Listen, Brighton, Brighton could sell you a fucking five pound note for 20 quid. You know what I mean? But they're very good at that. But I also think that when you look around at the league and you look at some of the players, left backs who've gone, uh, Chilwell, for example, was a big one. I know that's Chelsea and everything else. But, you know, Chelsea, at the time that they bought Chilwell, were sort of uh, in the same bracket of club in terms of ownership and and resources as, as Newcastle might be right now. So... 
I was thinking like 50. And I know he hasn't well, played he, a great deal, but like, give me fucking 50 million. Well, you know what? I nearly said 35. <laughs> so, and I didn't. But the re- maybe the real question is we have to do, we have to create a selling identity. Yes, that's true. You know, because Brighton and Chelsea have got a strong one, haven't they? But but this is an this is a chance to do it. This mm. is a chance. I think if you're if you're selling Kieran Tierney to any other club in the Premier League, yeah. you know, let's say you're selling him to I'm fucking I'm my brain is not working. But if you're selling him <laughs> to uh let me have a look yeah. at the table here. Yeah, if you're selling him to Villa or you're selling him to uh, who else might be interested in him, you know, around that bracket, even Brighton, you know, the, those kinds of teams. You, you're probably not looking for quite as much, but I think the fact that it is Newcastle adds something to this. And, you know, the, the conversation has been had, hasn't it, about Edu and, and how we need to establish ourselves as a team that will generate money from players that we have because, you know, this is how it's going to evolve. This is how it's going to evolve for, you know, three, four, five, six years to come is that the players that we sell are going to be an important part of the players that we buy yeah. and we need to get good at that. And for me, this is one of those that if if, if the price isn't right on Kieran Tierney, People are going to go, couldn't even sell to Newcastle. Yeah. And they've got money coming out their arses. You, you're, absolutely, you're absolutely right. I think I say an identity needs to be defined. But I find it strange sometimes that for those two oil teams, shall we say, City and, and, um, and Newcastle, I don't think people take advantage of them as much as, as, much as us sometimes. Do you see what I mean? Mm. I think... You know, City particularly looking at Kovacic for like 35 million or something like that. And look at Akanji was quite a low price. Smart additions, maybe. Mm. You know, I don't see them. Let me just call them good negotiators, despite the fact that they've got endless money. And Newcastle, again, they've been quite smart in who they've bought. They haven't overpaid for anybody yet. They They did lump on with Isaac that maybe other clubs were a little bit hesitant to go for, but mm. that was close to his release clause. So that wasn't a surprise, that number. You know, so yeah. when it comes to us, oh, no, it's full price Arsenal all the time. You know, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. 120 million for Declan Rice. Well, what are you talking about? You know, so um, so I do feel a little bit sort of uh, angry about that, really. I'm not sure angry is the right word, but maybe confused. Say. Frustrated. <laughs> yeah, frustrated, Angie, even better, right? So, um. And I do find that frustrating. But you're right to say, well, I think we're both right to say, we got to define ourselves as a, if we are going to sell, we come into our house, you got to pay. Yeah. That hasn't been the case historically in recent history. You got to pay, good player, pay. We have to pay you, pay us. Yep. Maybe this is the time to do it. Yep, for sure. For sure. Uh, let's do a few quick ones just to sort of round out the show. Uh, Mark Sudholtz says the second highest priority this window should be a right back so that Ben White can play centre back whenever required. Yeah, I did. I do. I agree. I like Ben White as a centre back. I, I like him as a right back, but he needs to have a rest every now and again. <laughs> right? So, um, do uh, do we resting with a? It depends who we want to go for. I, I'm also I sway on this one. Do we go for a left a centre back that can play both sides, or do we go for a, a strong fullback and just bring Ben Ben White into the centre back pool again mm. and wait for Tommy to come back and then you got your fullback pool on the right hand side. Again, I, it all depends on the opportunity that presents itself. You know, if we were to go for Mark Gay, for example, I get it. You know, I do get it. If we were to go for a strong right back, there's a couple out there being mentioned. They're both in the French on 21 squad. So when we see these YouTubes and headlines, then they're getting picked for the French on 21 squad. You've got to say to yourself, well, they're still developing players. Yeah. So can they come in right now from a new league and be an instant hit for us? So potentially the centre-back could be more an established player. So, But I wouldn't be against us using Ben White as a centre-back. I think in the last two games, he's been excellent there. And he's the closest we have to Saliba on how he builds up playing. and 100%. I think maybe, mate, we missed a trick with not ending up with something like what we've ended up with sooner from a back four perspective. I think it would have been, got us a few more points maybe. Maybe so, maybe so. I mean, the Partey at right back thing was not something I was keen on when I considered it, mm, you know, either. particularly because of uh, I worried about the, the physical 
aspects of it, but I I have a feeling in the cold light of day after he takes a you know a little bit of time off with the family, Mikel Arteta might might regret that a little bit, um, particularly as as Jorginho has come into midfield and done really well. Also, yeah, um, there is options here. Again, yeah. you know. I remember we went to Man City, we weren't sure what we were going to do and Shaka was sick and we didn't want to put Kivior into that limelight and we didn't want to move Ben White, we had no right back. But just imagine if we'd have played the back four we played for the last couple of games and used Zinchenko in midfield for a sick Shaka that really was ineffective because he wasn't well. Mm. Right? And um, and who's we may have still lost the game, but it's about maximising your group, right? So sure. um, I look at that and I think... You know, one to watch maybe Zinchenko moving forward next season if we are going to load up with defenders because that yeah. could be something that could happen. Right? Yeah, so, um, for sure. For sure. Uh, Philip Malloy says, uh, Emile Smith-Rowe will play Xhaka's position next season. Um, I disagree. Do you think he is capable of playing that position? It depends on how we solidify our fallback areas. If we create a stronger platform in our three-two build-up, with like not, you know, with a strong midfielder like Party, shall we say, mm-hmm. rather than a number ten midfielder inverting in, you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. If we were to add more defensive-minded people in the three-two, then we can do what we like in our front five. We literally can. Sure. And then those players become usable again. You know. So this is where my mind is at the moment. Strengthening the back line to allow us to see more of the Vieiras, the Smith-Rows, and maybe even Sinchenko higher up the pitch, knowing behind them we have all the, the strength and ability that we need to keep the door back door shut. Sure. You know, again, I'm looking at ways to evolve the squad. Just because Sinchenko's played left, inverted left back, we can move him forward easy. Just because Smith-Row, we weren't sure about him. Well, we, we're asking him to defend a lot. Maybe that's a way to get more out of him, take the defending side away. You know, and um, so yeah, it's it's all possible, but I'm not, I'm I can't envisage Smith Rowe's role yet. If I'm honest with you, I I I think if I was to put him in, I'd probably put him in close to his mate Saka on the right hand side, where Odegaard plays. Mm. That'd be the number one position I would see him as a a player to come in for. That's why my earlier answer about getting Vieira alone is what I was thinking about. You know, that would be the one. Again, the two of them will be competing pre-season and we'll soon know, mate. We'll soon know who looks better and decisions will be made. Yeah, I mean, the the story came out this week, of course, that um, Arsenal are not willing to let Smith-Rowe go. Very well-sourced mm. uh, story. Uh, and it's good news because, you know, there's a talented player there. It does at least provide him uh, with a couple of things. One is like a bit of security. Because I'm sure he's been floundering around a little bit, worrying like, well, what's going to happen? And there's the England under-21 stuff coming up in in June, which I think he's probably going to get selected for. So it allows him to go into that with that security that, okay, I'm not having to like really worry about my future or about his future being somewhere else, at least. He's still got to worry about his future and where he's going to play and how often he's going to play. Um, there was another aspect to that that I was going to say, but I've completely forgotten what it was. So uh, uh, I think when he, when he when he I looked at some of the videos of him while you're thinking of it. I looked at some of the videos of him when he played for us and when he was scoring for us, and a lot of them were late arrival, one touch finishes in the box. Mm. So many of them. I arrive, I carry the ball, I pop it up. I arrived late from a cross ball. The ball just arrives at his feet, one touch goal. You know, and it's like that's that's unique stuff. We have, we, we have really unique stuff. Now, Odegaard's done his 15 goals. So if you're looking at it now, you're thinking, okay, Smith-Rowe, that's, that could be you from an arrival point of view. Can you be a goal scorer from deep? Do I see you being a goal scorer in one, on, the, on the other side of the pitch, inverted? Potentially. But I, I, am, I struggle with him, Andrew. I, I've, I've told Tim, the guys know, Tim Elliott, they all know. I struggle with him. I struggle to see him. I can see... The Rices and Kaisedas and the parties and those defenders, I can see them real clear. But I struggle with him, the, probably the most of anyone in our team. And yet I've seen him be the best player in our team. Mm. You know? And it's, it's, it's quite hard to marry the two together. Sure. And so um, I think he so needs a good run, just to remind everybody what he's got in his feet. 
because my memory's short. If if yours is not, yeah, no, it is. Well, my, my memory's fucked. Um, <laughs> the, but I did remember what it was I was going to say. I mean, it does suggest that if they aren't going to let him go, they have a defined plan for him. Yeah. So that's something that might just come out in the wash. I think it's important that we do. And it's something that Tim was saying the other day, and I'm going to extrapolate it. We had a chance to sell Maitland-Niles, and we didn't. And we then didn't have a defined role for him. Mm. We didn't sell him. The team sort of evolved away from the wing-back system where he had a strong role. And suddenly we had a player that we didn't couldn't use. Yeah, And now we're... Another red ribbon player, right? We're giving him away in the summer. So if we are going to do it to Smith Rowe, we need to make sure we define him. And mm. hopefully that's true. All right, a couple of very quick ones then. JP McDermott says, if and when Harry Kane leaves, the shitty chickens will be in the relegation battle. <laughs> I have to say I disagree, although I really want to strongly agree. <laughs> because... They may not score as many goals with him, but I'm a, I am a believer in. They need, if I was them, I don't want to tell them what to do, but I would move on from him as quickly as possible, because you they are defined by one player. Nobody else around him can come out from from his bushel. They can't. You know, um, everything is a, they do at Spurs is about him, and. No, if there's any potential players there, they're not going to show. They're not going to shine. Right? Mm-hmm. So um, so they need to rip off the Band-Aid and develop their team as a collective unit and not a one-man band. You know? And um, But I don't think they're going to. I think they're going to hold on to him as long as they can and um, allow any new manager to use to build around him again for another season. But mm. I wouldn't do it if I was him. I would rip it off, move on. may take two years scrambling around at least you'll have a collective team defined by the collective and not by one individual. Yeah. It'd be sort of if they did sell him, uh, I remember when they sold Gareth Bale that time and they you know, had this parade of the eight players that they bought yeah. with the money that they got for Gareth Bale and fucking all of them were shite. So I'm kind of hoping that that might happen again if they sell, <laughs> exactly. if they sell Kane. Final yeah. one, Graham Allen. Frank Lampard will never manage a club in any top division in Europe ever again. I disagree because this is this is England <laughs> and this is super frank and he's got mates in the game, Andrew. Do you know what I mean? They'll get him a job. <laughs> and, uh, and there's an internal game and we'll look after Frank. It wasn't his fault. He had all these players to look after. It wasn't his fault. Who buys the players? <laughs> who buys them? It wasn't Frank who bought them. Who buys them? It wasn't him. You know, we need to get him a job and I'll go and get him one. And so, like, uh, so yeah, this is England, mate. Trust me, there are some people that can fail once, we never see them again. There are some people that can fail 25 times and we can't wait to get him back in. So don't think he's over for him. Mm. You know, if he wants to be a pundit, he can sharpen up the waistcoat and get out there, no problem, and stand next to Stevie G and they can chat forevermore. Or... He can put himself back in there, which I'm sure the English game will take him on board without no hesitation at all. I I can't disagree with you there because that is unfortunately how it works. I mean, you know, based on anything and everything that he has done, that statement should be absolutely impossible to disagree with. But it should be, but it isn't. And that's that's the reality. All right. Well, look, uh, thank you for not sitting on the fence at all. I think I did. Maybe, maybe, maybe. You explained your reasons, at least, for for doing that. The listener will tell me. No doubt. No doubt. Clive, as ever, a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks a million. Loved it, mate. Cheers. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Thank you very much indeed to Clive. You can find him on Twitter. He is at Clive PAFC, at Clive PAFC. And you can hear more of him, of course, on the Arsenal Vision podcast. Right. I'm going to leave it there for this week's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you very much indeed, as always, for being with us. We'll have an Arsecast Extra for you on Monday. I think I don't quite know what time yet. I'll figure that out with James. For now, take it easy. Have a great weekend. Whatever you're up to, it looks like it's going to be pretty decent weather in this part of the world, so you've got to make the most of it. Get out in the sunshine. Might play a little golf. Who knows? You have a great one yourselves, and we will talk to you on the next one. Until then, cheers. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.